0: for advancement of the kingdom of God in this day, in this hour. We praise you today for all that you have done and all that you will do, and to you be the glory forever and ever. In Christ's name we pray, amen. You may be seated. Thank you. The first Sunday of the year, the first Sunday of the month, we celebrate the table of the Lord communion this morning. I'm going to read from the second to the last chapter of the Bible. Revelation 21, as we prepare for the elements and the table of the Lord today. It says this, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there is no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, The tabernacle of God is among men. And he will dwell among them and they shall be his people and God himself will be among them. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will no longer be death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. Come soon, Jesus, right? (laughs) Amen. And he who sits on the throne said, behold. I am making all things new. And he said, write, for these words are faithful and true. And then he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give to the one who thirsts from the spring of the water of life without cost. He who overcomes will inherit these things. And I will be his God, and he will be my son. And as we celebrate the first communion of this new year, we, we recognize that it symbolizes our community with God through Jesus Christ. It, it's our identity. It identifies us as his. And we look forward to the day of his coming And we'll proclaim this sacrificial death until that day in which He comes for His church, His bride. Could it be this year? You ever thought about that? Could it be this year? Could this year be where God makes all things new? Well, perhaps. And this communion is our proclamation that He, the Lord, Jesus the Savior, He is our life. He is our peace, He is our source, He is our Redeemer. Let us celebrate this life that we have in Him. Servers, would you come and serve us today? As you're being served, just want you to know here at Grace, communion is open to all believers in Christ, even if it's your first day here. We would ask that you hold all the elements until everyone has been served and then we will participate together in the beautiful celebration of which communion is. When he was with his disciples, he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which will be broken for you. Let us take and eat today, remembering what Jesus has done for us. Likewise, he took the third cup of the Passover after the meal had been eaten. And he took it and he raised it and he gave thanks to the Lord said, this is my blood, which will be shed for you. Let us today take, eat, and drink, thanking him for what he has done for us. Father God, we celebrate the provision of Jesus Christ for our lives and for our, our community of believers. We are so grateful that uh, we are the bride that awaits the coming of the groom. We celebrate today this new life that we've been given, this life of grace that our sins have been washed clean, that our eternity has been secured in an everlasting union with you. We know that there is coming a day when this world will pass away and all things will be made new, as the scripture says. And Father, with every breath that we have left on this earth and every day that we have left to live, Father, may we live it unto your glory. May we join together as the family of God and live in power and in the presence of your dynamic Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father, for this great eternal celebration. In Christ's name we pray, amen and amen. Before we look at the third chapter of Ephesians in just a few moments, I want to give you a few announcements. If you're new to Grace and this is your first Sunday uh, or your visitor, (coughs) we want you to know that we're especially glad that you've come to visit with us today. And uh, we have a welcome table on your way out out there, and uh, we'd love to be able to give you a mug and some chocolates. And so if you would just stop by there, that would be wonderful. Uh, There's also a tear-off flap in your bulletin if you want to fill that out and uh, hand that to them there. You'll get on our mailing list, and you'll be able to get the emails that we send out twice a week. But we don't want to just say welcome to you. Uh, It is the first week of the month as well as the first week of the year, and this means that Wednesday night is our first Wednesday prayer time at 6.30 to 7.30. We invite you to come and join together with the family of God to pray for the needs of our community but also the needs of um, uh, our church and uh, all the other churches that we join together in proclaiming the word of God in this city. So please join us this Wednesday for first Wednesday prayer. Tuesday, there is a welcome class if you're new to Grace and you'd like more information. Tuesday night, 6.30, uh, to about 8 o'clock. We talk about the structure and the uh, beliefs and the vision for our church. And so if you'd like to know a little bit more about who we are, uh, please sign up. There's child care available for that. Also, this is the week uh, which I am sailing the ocean blue and uh, crossing over to the eastern European city of Moldova. If you're new to Grace, I've been doing this for nine years now. I teach a two week class over there, and I'll be leaving on Thursday. And um, you can support that trip uh, either financially or prayer or both. If you'd like to be on the prayer team, uh, please uh, either take the flap off and say, Moldova Prayer Team, put your name and email on there and drop it in an offering uh, box out there, and we'll get you on the email list, or just send an email to me or the office, and we'll make sure that you get the email updates that I'll send from Moldova. And you can pray uh, for God's safety and God's. Power and work to be done in the lives of the students that we will be spending time with. And while I'm gone, uh, you're going to have some good preaching, okay? I know you're excited about that, right? And uh, amen, I know, I know. Uh, we've asked Pastor E.M. Hay to be here next Sunday, and he is recently retired from the worship place. He's here visiting today. E.M., good to see you. And uh, he'll be here next week preaching, and then the following week, we're having Tim Lester. Uh, from the Baltimore area, uh, fly out here, and he's going to be doing an abiding life, uh, both Sunday morning conference, Sunday morning and Monday night, and there's ways in which for you to be participating in that, and we'll let you know more about that over the next week or so, and uh, we would just want you to be aware of these things that are upcoming. Well, I do want to say Happy New Year to you all. Is it off to a great start so far? The diets are still going, right? Yeah, you didn't even try that, did you? I didn't. Um, I hope your Christmas was great and uh, you're looking forward to this year. I'm looking forward to it uh, with great anticipation for what God may do in our church this year, what may, what God may do in our lives individually and his families. Um, this may not be the, the very best way to start off the year, but uh, I want to give you some very sobering statistics of what's going on in our nation today. We need kind of a a good look at what reality is, and then to see how God may use us as a church to influence not only our community, but our nation for the kingdom of God. Uh, my first question to you would be, what do you think is the fastest growing belief system in the American culture today? I mean, which which one of the following lists would you choose as the fastest growing belief system in our nation? Would it be Christianity? Would it be Islam? Would it be agnostics, atheists, Buddhists, New Age, pantheists? Would you choose one of those as the fastest growing belief system in America? Well, the answer is none of those. Uh, When people are given a list, uh, the fastest growing answer is none of the above. The Pew Research Center tells us that 20% of Americans say they have no belief system, one in five. And that number is doubling every decade. And if the trend continues, you can see that within the next 30 years, this overwhelming majority of Americans will see just really no value in religious belief at all. The trend, as we can see, has already played itself out in much of Western Europe, and it's where church attendance is in countries like Germany, France, Great Britain, hovers around the 5% mark. One of the observations that we can draw from these statistics is this that one of satan's great deceptions on people today is that spiritual beliefs just really don't have much value they're just kind of meaningless. they just don't matter. Just live for yourself, live for today, enjoy what the world has to offer, have a happy life, and people who are out there trying to convert you or even get you to think deeply about things, should be avoided because they will take away your fun. Just watch more TV, go to more movies, make more money, and don't get all bogged down in deep spiritual things. You think that's pervasive in the culture today? And because of the rise of this type of life, uh, uh, there's this general apathy that begins to pervade the culture. Because how much meaning is there in living for the moment? It gets old, and it's always another high, another big thing. And you just get to the point where nothing really satisfies the whole, an emptiness. More people become dependent. No motivation for personal responsibility or a commitment to anything. We just have to look at some sobering statistics to bear it out. Did you know that 36% of young adults ages 18 to 31. Now, it's over a third of the population of 18 to 31-year-olds. Where do they live? With their parents. What about marriage? What about making a commitment to marriage? Statistics show us that only 50% of Americans, 50% of Americans today are actually married. The lowest ever in our nation's history. Only 20% of Americans today get married before they turn 30. New marriages are on a steady decline. The Pew Research Center again surveyed unmarried people, people who are currently unmarried, and 40% of those, 4 out of 10, said they believe marriage is becoming obsolete. So the trend in America is towards this, I don't care much about Anything except what makes me happy right now. Every once in a while, I put up the cycle of civilization developed by Sir Alex Fraser Teitler. He studied the rise and fall of civilizations, and he came up with a cycle that uh, civilizations go through. He found that every great society in the past has followed this pattern. I'm going to put it up for you. Read that or not, but let me walk through it. At the top of the circle, there is a word called bondage. Civilizations, people, communities, nations start in bondage and they become ripe for spiritual truth. This there's a there's a longing in the heart to be to be free, and God speaks into the bondage that they're suffering, and it leads to revival. And this revival of spiritual truth begins to build courage in the heart of the people and Courage, willing to gain the liberty away from the tyrants. Liberty and freedom then always produce an abundance of prosperity. Did you hear me say that? Liberty and freedom always produce an abundance of prosperity. And then as people... They they take responsibility for themselves. They work hard. They produce new new and more product. They take risks with their capital. They're free. But over time, this abundance leads to selfishness and sense of entitlement. And that kind of thinking begins to mold into a general complacency, which leads to all-out apathy where not much at all really matters. And an apathetic people are ripe for a leader who will come in and make promises to them about providing for them and meeting their needs. And it's always led to dependence. And then it's an easy step into bondage or being ruled. And then the cycle starts all over. And more often than not, the entire society is just dismantled. And something new emerges so, as you look at the cycle, where do you think we are as a nation today? Well, I would say from statistics that we are at least in the dependent stage. At least. Because did you know that more than half of all Americans are receiving support from outside sources? saying all dependence is bad I'm not saying support from outside sources is bad but when you have nearly half of the population that is not self-governing self-responsible but receiving support from outside sources you have a dependence built into the culture people are either dependent on the government or their parents or their church or their nonprofits dependency is addictive folks and contagious did you know that (laughs) Dependence is addictive and contagious. Getting something for nothing makes you want what? <laughs> to get more something for nothing. Happy New Year. Well, why would I start with such a somber note? It's, it's because it's the picture that we're facing as a culture. And it's because I believe in a God who is big enough to ignite a spirit-filled revival that makes America the first country in the history of the world to skip right through some of those, back over to spiritual truth and freedom and liberty. (laughs) I just believe that God is big enough to move us through dependence and bondage into this great spiritual truth that produces a courage to restore freedom, the freedom of Christ. There is power, spiritual power, available to the people of God to proclaim truth that transforms lives and thus transforms societies. And if we're not careful, church, guess what happens? The culture begins to define us more than the Word of God defines us. The people of God, did you know this, that the people of God can become complacent and apathetic? That may be news to you today. But the people of God can yawn at the power of God. They can yawn at whether or not there's anything that God wants to do in our culture today. They can just kind of, oh, i heard it all before. Just teach me a nice another lesson. Do you believe today that a revival of historic magnitude could rise up in America in 2015? no. <laughs> It is one thing to believe it. It's another thing to invest in it. Wouldn't you like to be a part of something like that? Be used of God to bring a great spiritual awakening to not only this church, but to the city of Georgetown, across central Texas, throughout the world. The scripture as I prayed for this service, as I prayed for this year, the, the scripture that keeps ringing in my mind is, this last paragraph of Ephesians 3. Because, see, Paul is praying for this church. He's praying about what he would like to see in this church. He was praying that this church would ignite with spiritual fire. He's inspiring them to turn to God who is fully capable, fully able. Look at his prayer. He says this For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you. It's important you understand this, that he's praying that God would grant the church. Not that the church would would choose to do things differently, but that they somehow would be able to do this on their own. But he's praying that God Almighty would grant the church according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know this love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you, church, may be filled up to all the fullness of God, And now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Sometimes when I read that passage, I think, when is it, the, when's the last time where I saw God do something far more abundantly beyond, even what I could in, think in my mind? And do I pray for that? Do I long for that? Is that part of my daily prayer? Father, do something abundantly beyond all that I could even think up in my own little mind. I want to I see the hand of God move so mightily that I, I just go, I could have never even thought of that. Paul's prayer for the church would be that they would be strengthened with power, that they would dwell in Christ, that they would be rooted in love, that they would grasp the overwhelming love of God for them, that they would be filled up to all the fullness of God. And if God moves in the church this way, then the result is going to be that God does far more than anything that we could ever hope to hope for or even think of. And it says he will do it by his power working through us. I sign up for that, would you? I would like to see that in our church this year. I mean, let's look back. You know, 2014 was a great year. The, the, this church was built. We made this move. The church grew overall for the year. The church set a record for contributions. Statistically, by man's standards, this was a great year, 2014. And as I've prayed about 2015, I just, I just sense a stirring, a restlessness that the Lord has been speaking very clear that the, His desire is to see great spiritual breakthroughs in our church this year. Spiritual breakthroughs. It doesn't matter how many people come. It doesn't matter how much money is given. It's spiritual breakthroughs in the lives of people. And I truly believe that He has spoken to me and given me a plan for at least the first part of the year. I really believe that God wants to do some things in our midst. And He wants us to focus on a couple of things through this first five months. The first step, oh, you're going to love this. He wants us to... The first step that he wants us to take is to free ourselves from money. Did you hear me? Amen. Amen. He wants us to be free from the bondage of this idol that competes with him in the hearts and lives of so many Christians today. Worldwide, statistics tell us that Christians on average give about 1.7% of their income to the work of the Lord. But that's worldwide. There's a lot of impoverished countries, and but in America, the most prosperous nation on earth, it drops to 1.6%. So I guess the question bears asking, do you think a widespread movement of God is possible with Christians either withholding from God or living in fear financially? Can we expect from God a spiritual revival when at the same time we're in this bondage to this mammon? Through uh, through February and March, we're going to be having an all-church study that I'm going to entitle this, The Blessed Life of Giving from the Heart. The Blessed Life of Giving from the Heart. So let me ask you this question. Do you think if everyone at Grace Bible Church was spiritually free from money, that it would have a spiritual impact on us as a church? Do you hear what I said? Do you think if everyone at Grace Bible Church was spiritually free from money, that it would have a spiritual impact on us as a church? I do. I'll share my opinion. I do. In Malachi 3.10, famous scripture, it says, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house, and test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. (laughs) I would love to see the windows of heaven open for us, wouldn't you? I want to see... Heaven's windows just swung open and blessing after blessing poured out on Grace Bible Church this year. I would love to see an overflow, it says. We wouldn't be able to contain the blessing from God. And I'm convinced, I know, it will not happen if we're locked in the bondage of money. God wants us free from it. It has absolutely nothing to do with how much or how little money each of you have. God wants you free from how much of it? (laughs) All of it. You cannot serve him and it. Let me ask you this. Does the church need money and that's why we're doing this? I know they have this new debt now. I knew it was coming. Message series on stewardship. Guilt, guilt, guilt. Here's a good test. If that thought crossed your mind, this series is for you. God up there wringing his hands, hoping you'll give? Is he nervous? Does God, is he putting all of his hopes upon your obedience? God doesn't need your money. I mean, how much does God own? He owns everything. God is going to distribute his resources to accomplish his plans. It's not that he needs it. You need to turn loose of it. For your own spiritual benefit, He needs, He wants you to be free. I cannot wait to see what God does as one person after another finds this freedom. The other focus that God has greatly impressed upon me is prayer. So let me ask this question. Do you think that God's power and blessing will be poured out upon us without prayer? <laughs> and yet we live that way a lot of times, don't we? Oh, I want the blessing of God. I hope he comes. I hope, I hope, I hope. But I don't pray. And God is saying, if you'll turn your heart to me and you'll pray and you'll seek after me, I just want you to come to me. Oh, I hope God does something. I hope God does something. But I don't want to pray. Throughout history, every great awakening, every revival, every movement of God has started with a group of people that just committed themselves said, we must. We must talk to God. We must pray. We must seek him passionately, fervently, cry out to him, have a desperation, an urgency. That he would deliver us, that he would intervene, that his power would be at work and manifest among us. So during the months of April and May, shortly after Easter, we're going to take a 40-day journey in prayer. 40 days is an important biblical time frame, isn't it? Moses in the, 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 the wilderness, Jesus in the wilderness. And we're going to call this the powerful life of passionate prayer. We're still praying about how it would be organized, but there's, there's just a call going out to us to get on our knees before God and to earnestly ask Him to work in our life, to spend time with Him and to, to let Him tell us of His ways and what He wants us to do and how He wants to lead and the ways in which He will begin to answer and do wonderful and mighty things among us. There's a story that Mark Batterson tells In his book called Draw the Circle, it's about a man named Rodney Smith. The story goes like this. Rodney, who was known as Gypsy, Rodney Gypsy Smith, was born on the outskirts of London in 1860. He never received a formal education, and yet he lectured at Harvard. And despite his humble origins, he was invited by two sitting United States presidents to the White House. Gypsy crisscrossed the Atlantic Ocean 45 times, preaching the gospel to millions of people. And he never preached without someone surrendering their life to the lordship of Jesus Christ. Gypsy was powerfully used of God, and everywhere he went, it seemed like revival was just right on its heels. But it wasn't his preaching that brought revival. He makes the point, it never is. Preaching may move the hearts of men, but praying moves the heart of God. And that's where revival comes from. Gypsy revealed his secret to a delegation of revival seekers who sought an audience with him. They wanted to know how they could make a difference with their lives the way he had with his. His answer was simple, yet profound, as timely and timeless now as it was a hundred years ago. He gave them this advice. He says, want to make a difference, go home, lock yourself in your room, kneel down in the middle of the floor, and with a piece of chalk, draw a circle around yourself, and there on your knees, pray fervently and brokenly that God would start a revival within that chalk circle. get there without prayer, without a culture of prayer, without a a hunger, a thirst. We're going to take this 40-day journey in April and May, but we're going to start something new about prayer today, first Sunday of the new year. I've engaged the help of about 30 volunteers from the church. We're going to be a Sunday morning prayer team. It may have been in other churches that do this. And at the close of our services for the foreseeable future, we're going to have the prayer team come forward, and they're going to come to the front, and they're going to turn and face the audience. And I'm going to ask anyone that wants to pray about anything to come forward and to join together with one of the prayer team to pray for whatever is on your heart. They're not here to give advice or to counsel you. or They're just here to just pray. And in order to get this started, I just really need your help, okay? just need to establish a new pattern that one of the things that we do on Sunday morning is we pray for one another. That we pray for the dynamic work of God in this community and in our church. We need to establish this new pattern. Having people move to the front to pray week after week will encourage those who may be really struggling with something and they just find it difficult to move forward, they will be encouraged to come and let God work in them. Because they just begin to understand it's just what we do. We pray for one another. It's just what we do. Right now you might feel like, well, I don't really have any pressing need in my life right now. Well, I would then encourage you to come and pray for our church, that God would move in this church in this year. Agreeing together in prayer for the will of God to be done is a powerful thing. A powerful thing. And the truth is that we don't get where we'd like to be without it. We just really won't. The last part of James 5.16 says, Pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man does what? accomplishes much. There's not a one of us here that knows what's going to take place in 2015. Worldwide or in your family or in your very life. It could be a year that brings great upheaval in the world. It may be the year that Jesus returns. Just think about that for a minute. if you knew for certain that Jesus was returning later this year? How would this change your year? What kind of urgency for prayer would you have? Uh, certain things like your savings account, paying off your house, well, they just wouldn't seem quite as important, would they? <laughs> People always ask me, what's your retirement plan? I always say the second coming. <laughs> Hello. just be this urgent call to invest every remaining moment in him. I would offer perhaps we should just go ahead and live this year as if we know he's coming back at the end of the year. That's what the Bible teaches us. It teaches us an urgency to live as if it could happen tomorrow. Be prepared. Have the oil in your lamp. Let go of those things that are worldly, that you've sought after with all your heart. Let's believe in him like never before. Let's let's be energized to pursue him with such passion that we are strengthened with power through the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. Let's believe that our God is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we could ask or even think. And he's going to do it because his power is at work in us because we seek Him with all of our heart. Father, as we close this service today, I just pray, I just pray that as we read this passage in Ephesians, the third chapter, that it's not just inspiring words, that it's not just something that we can uh, say, oh, we've heard that before. It would be wonderful if God would do that, such a thing. Father, I'm praying for people in this congregation today that will take that challenge to draw that circle and to say, start it with me. I'm not going to wait around and see if the pastor would change or the church would change or. Start this revival, this spiritual renewal with me today. Free me from the attachments that I've made in this world. Free me from the mindset that seeks after worldly things at the expense of the kingdom of God. Father God, I want to be filled with your Holy Spirit so, so rich and so new and so fresh and so powerfully, Father God, that there's a singular focus of life. Father God, we live in a culture today that is declining spiritually. We live in a culture that is embracing hedonism, paganism. Father God, in many ways they're saying that the church has no relevance today. May it not be so among us. May it not be so among us. The world needs to know of your grace. They need to know of your love. They need to know how good you are. How great you are. They've got bad information from the, from the culture today. You've been maligned and discredited and reviled, misrepresented, lied about. And Father, I pray for a mighty movement of your church, energized by your power, your spirit, that when we get to the end of 2015, we'll look back and we'll see the changes that have taken place in our world. We'll, we'll see whatever has happened. We'll see that it has happened. And I am praying, Father God, that we'll look back and see how it is. this church and this community has been transformed by the power of God. That we have not given in to the ways in which the world is going. But we're standing for what it is that you've called us to be and do. Father, as we close this service, we place our faith in you, our trust in you. We cry out to you. May your greatness be seen among us. I want you to stand. We're going to sing before we pray. Let all the earth rejoice, all the earth rejoice, wraps himself in light, and darkness tries to hide, and trembles at his voice, trembles at his voice. How great is our God. Sing with me.